Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Stores all over the Twin Cities brings you this hour of the GL Podcast. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Doug Wardlow is the Republican candidate for attorney general running against Keith Ellison. He's one that I'm voting for, yes. Right. Wardlow. Uh, We'll get to Ellison in a moment. His divorce file is going to be unsealed this week. Uh, Well, Wardlow... uh, well, the Star Tribune, for example, is having a bit of sport with Wardlow because some DFL staffer uh, did a gotcha on him. And he said he'd fire uh, the Democrats in, in the office. And, well, why can't he if he was? So what? Right. Republican Attorney General candidate Doug Wardlow said at a fundraiser that if elected, he would fire 42 Democratic attorneys right off the bat and add Republicans to the office. Well, be okay with me. I think that's... I- but I, I think that's what you get to do. Don't you get to your own staff? You think? That appears to contradict Wardlow's frequent campaign trail message that he would take a non-political approach to the job. He faces Democratic uh, U.S. Representative Keith Ellison in the November election, and he has been depicting Ellison as extreme while saying his conservative beliefs would not affect how he would run the attorney general's office. Wardlow made the remarks at a fundraiser a week ago today for U.S. Representative Jason Lewis. It was recorded by a DFL party staffer and initially reported by Minnesota Public Radio. Well, of course, uh, the, the gang <laughs> the gang is aligned against a, an evil conservative Republican who wants to restore some semblance of sanity to the office. So what I want to know is, uh, why did they let a DFL party— why would a DFL party staffer go to a fundraiser for Jason Lewis? There's only one reason— Hoping to catch somebody saying something and then paddle it to NPR and all the usual suspects in the gang. Right. I don't even think this is a gotcha. Then the DFL shared the recording with the Star Tribune. In it, Wardlow tells the audience, for 48 years, the Democrats have used that office to push their big government agenda. We need to take that back, not for the Republican Party, but rather because of the rule of law, the Constitution, and liberty. We can use that office to really put our state back on a path of liberty and prosperity. What, what, what's wrong with that comment? Nothing that I'm aware of. You, you can do that. He went on to say that when he takes office, he would fire the 42 Democrats and get Republicans in the office, a comment that was met with applause. He added that his staff would stand up for the rule of law and crack down on welfare fraud. His campaign manager, Billy Grant, said he believes Wardlow was referring to people in senior management positions. He noted there is changeover in staff whenever a new attorney general takes office. But the gang is not going to allow it because the gang has to tell you what to think. So the gang is up in arms that this guy had the audacity to say, yeah, when I win, I I want my own people in there. Right. What the hell is wrong with that? There's nothing wrong. That's how Paul, uh, uh, look at the new cabinet that comes in when the uh, new governor comes in. He would not have a... uh, Litmus test for party affiliation, Wardlow said in a news release Friday. He called the recording of his speech a desperate attack by Allison and the DFL and said he would be independent and unbeholden to a party. The current attorney general's office, helmed by Lori Swanson, has been nothing but political, Wardlow said. 
And that's what Ellison wants to use it for. He wants to use it to sue Trump. For what? Swanson said Friday she has no idea where Wardlow got the count of 42 Democrats. When she hires attorneys, she doesn't ask about politics. Oh, B as in B, S as in S. Come on, Come guys. On. It's very troubling that he would say, sight unseen, that he would fire a third of the attorneys. Most staffers in the uh, office, apart from a handful of policy advisors each attorney general has, do nonpartisan work, said Beverly Jones Haydinger. She worked in the attorney general's office for 20 years and continued to work with the office after an administrative law judge and chairwoman of Public Utilities Commission. Uh, she said Wardlow's comment is completely inconsistent with his campaign trail message. This, well, uh, I, I, this makes me want to vote for him all the more. According to uh, a KSTP poll, this is a dead heat. Mm-hmm. This is this Wardlow-Ellison race is 41 to 41 percent. or It's it's right on the mark. Just once could I vote for somebody who wins. When, Just once. When these, uh, Your vote's canceled every time. Yeah. When these uh, divorce proceedings are, what did you say, unsealed? Yeah, I'll get to that right now. You oh, want me to? I, well, the, the reason I, I was just going to, well, you get to it, and then I'll, I'll ask my question. A Hennepin County family court referee last Friday, remember Tom Hauser told us this. Yep. Agreed to unseal U.S. Representative Keith Ellison's divorce file and said it would happen this week. Uh, an attorney for uh, Ellison has vowed to appeal that. Referee Jason Hutchinson ordered the file to be unsealed on October 17. Uh, that's Wednesday. With the exception of documents subject to restrictions under state law, the Star Tribune and Alpha News, a right-leaning news website, sought the closed file's public release. Uh, these follow allegations by that Karen Monahan that Ellison tried to drag her out of a room uh, divorce records are typically public, but judges will often agree to seal them if both parties in the case agree and no one else objects. Uh, Carla Kelberg, an attorney representing Ellison, said Keith and Kim Ellison remain jointly opposed to this effort to exploit the details of their personal life and the lives of their children for political gain. Uh, Ms. Ellison, is <laughs> we can't see a divorce record, which is a, supposed to be a public document. But we could put that Kavanaugh up there for a couple oh, yeah. of days and uh, have him sweat out what he meant by every little scribble he put in his high school year. Every time he farted. Yeah. <sighs> or his friend said. <laughs> Kim uh, Ellison has never suggested any abuse uh, by Keith Ellison. Then what are they afraid of? Why don't they want it made public? Yeah, I'm not. Their, I, ki- their children are fairly, uh, aren't, aren't their children in adulthood? They're adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, my ex-wife Kim and I are good friends, Allison said. I have no reason to doubt that. She has said repeatedly that there is nothing that ever happened similar to what Karen Monahan falsely accuses me of, so it really should not be unsealed. It's unfair to my kids and unfair to her. Uh, okay. An attorney hired by the DFL to investigate the allegation yeah. by Monahan could hitting. not substantiate it after Monahan refused to share a video of the incident that she has said she recorded. Okay. Under Minnesota law, all court records are presumed public unless narrow, clearly delineated exclusions apply. The referee wrote Hutchinson concluded that the Ellison's privacy concerns were not different from the thousands of other unsealed divorce cases in the same judicial district and agreed that the Ellison's concerns were vague and speculative. Well, good for you. Uh, the uh, referee Hutchinson also did not find the Ellison argument that the records could be used for an improper purpose persuasive. 
Instead, he agreed with the attorneys for the Star Tribune and Alpha News that much of what the Ellisons outlined in their arguments appeared to be news reports on what should be a public court record in a way the parties do not find flattering or appealing. I cut a bunch of stuff out this weekend, uh, including, including, uh, what day was this? Uh, this was from the Saturday Star Tribune, you know, because I'm always working. I know you are. I know you are. You, you 24-7. When you go through the paper, you're not just finding out what happened. You're, you're, I have my rule you're ready work, to trim pieces. Well, the lead editorial in Saturday Star Tribune was uh, Ilhan Omar... Uh, should fess up more about these financial allegations made about her. Why is she getting a free pass? That's not what the editorial says. I said they're editorializing that she must say more. Oh, but, but I mean, why up to this point though is she getting a free? Well, because she she She's perfectly the one. she perfectly fits the template of who who the the gang would approve of. Oh, well, hats off to the Star Tribune then for pursuing this. For the for, well, they 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 do it they, they do this though as gently as humanly possible. Okay. They're all soft gloves. Well, huh? it's really soft. For the third time this year, 5th District DFL congressional candidate Ilhan Omar stands accused of financial improprieties that violate either Minnesota House rules or state ca- campaign finance laws. The latest complaint from the same source as the first two, Representative Steve Drazkowski, Republican Mazeppa, alleges that DFL State Rep. Omar impermissibly used about three grand in campaign funds for several trips, including one to Estonia. What does she go to Estonia for, I wonder? I'd like to know. I guess it's none of our business, is it? Uh, maybe the, it should be the business of the saps who donate money to her. Right. Political research, maybe. Draskowski also revealed Tuesday that one of his earlier complaints that Omar had used campaign funds for legal costs associated with her marriage dissolution is under investigation by the State Campaign Finance and Public Disclosure Board. That board found probable cause in August to proceed with a thorough review, which evidently is still in progress. Omar denies that charge, saying that legal fees she paid to attorney Carla Kelberg in August and September. Just a minute, Carla Kelberg. Carla Kilberg? Isn't that Ellison's lawyer? Uh, yeah. Huh. Well, a very popular lawyer, huh? High demand? Let me verify that. Okay. Yeah, Carla Kilberg. Okay. An attorney representing Ellison said in a statement that Keith and Kim are uh, jointly opposed to uh, releasing that divorce document. And then, and then here, uh, Ilhan, Ilhan has the Carla Kilberg, too. Huh. Is he well, always available? Yeah, it's convenient. She's, she's getting a lot of work, isn't she? Well, do you think it's like a discount? You know, when you, like, if you go to a store and you yeah. buy so many of one item, then you get another one for a, a third of the price. Okay, like a punch card. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we got a divorce thing going she, on. So and she we was some... offering him a deal. Yeah. A twofer. Yeah, hey, I'm already the, here. The yeah. sixth one is free. Yeah. <laughs> you get a 45-minute free consultation. Yes. What is it? <laughs> A free consultation? Oh, yes, it's 48 minutes of consulting. Uh, the earliest of Drazkowski's three complaints faulted Omar for expecting a speaking fee from the Minnesota State Colleges in violation of state house rules. Omar has reimbursed the three campuses in question, 2500 of the 2750 that was at issue. She must have kept 250 for gas or something. Huh? Right, right. But she did this after she was cornered. Mm-hmm. Not voluntarily, prior to. Uh, Omar's response to the latest accusation has been terse. On Wednesday, her campaign spokeswoman issued this statement. We are aware of Representative Draskowski's continued requests 
to the can as though she's burdened by this. Uh, you know, this is an inconvenience. I'm so put for upon. Us. Why are you testing me? That's not sufficient, according to the Star Tribune. Omar owes a fuller explanation to fifth district voters and soon. Voters deserve to hear Omar's response before the November 6th election. Do you think there's any chance in hell this woman will lose that race? Uh, no, and there's no chance in hell she's going to talk about it before the election. Either. There's not a single voter who intends to vote for her that gives a rat's ass about this, right. which is a shame. Right. Not one. Because uh, nope. this is this is it, it, if she already had to pay it back. Uh, the, the speaking fees, that means she took the fees already and then got caught, and that's the reason she gave it back. And that's just one subject. Here's a little more of the soft glove approach, though. To be sure, the sum of money in question in any of these accusations is small. That's not the point. Right. And the Star Tribune knows that's not the point. But they're trying to have it both ways here because she's in their template. She's on their agenda. But together, the, change, the charges represent a pattern of carelessness and or self-dealing with legally restricted funds. Sometimes it's called theft, whoever wrote this. Right. Sometimes it's called theft. They didn't use that, though, did they? Neither conclusion inspires the confidence voters deserve to have in someone they send to the U.S. House. Omar may be a DFL or running for a safe DFL seat, but she is still accountable. And as the other contests in this year's contentious campaign season illustrate, avoiding accusations of wrongdoing does not make them go away. Well, here's somebody bitching about Wardlow in the in the editorial page. Uh, Jeez, I, that that gives She's me sailing right through with that. That gives me all the more reason in the world to vote for him. That <laughs> he's going to put like-minded thinkers in the uh, in the office, which I think is fantastic. And they're going to cry foul, even though that's. A, a maybe not a common practice, but somewhat common practice. Yeah. Get your people in there. Yeah. Yes. You'll learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Here's Joe Suchere. Remember when the gang made uh, Jack Dorsey apologize because he happened to enjoy uh, his lunch at Chick-fil-A? Yes. And the gang got on him, and this, he folded like a cheap Oh, he did. Suit. It was really sick. Well, was... there's another. Let's see if he folds this time. Hmm. I was reading about him in an article in the Wall Street Journal. He's the CEO of Twitter, right? Right. And uh, the, the ruling uh, from the salon people in San Francisco on a new tax to uh, fight homelessness. And... Uh, it's a ballot referendum that would double the city's gross receipts tax on revenues over $50 million to raise $300 million a year. Businesses with high revenues would get mugged regardless of profits. Uh, payment processors like Mr. Dorsey Square and sharing economy startups would be among the biggest honeypots. Uh, so, but he's objecting to this. Uh, he, is, he was assaulted by a Twitter mob on Friday after declaring his opposition to a San Francisco referendum to raise the city's business gross receipts tax. Here's a chance, the Wall Street Journal notes, for uh, the Twitter CEO to show the courage of his, of his economic convictions and fight back. I wonder what he'll do. This guy has succumbed to the uh, Twitter mob before. Will he take himself out of the club this time because it's... 
fiduciary responsibility? While San Francisco has long embraced vagrancy, its sprawling homeless population is endangering public health and safety. Needles and feces litter sidewalks and property crime has soared. Many liberals blame techies for driving up housing costs, but a large share of those on the streets are mentally ill or abuse drugs. And then here comes this referendum. Uh, and uh, Dorsey responded, the mayor uh, by tweeting, I don't believe this is the best way to help the homeless and that Mayor Breed was elected to fix this. I trust her. Twitter users, including Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff, then pounced on Mr. Dorsey for being greedy. Pile on. Will Jack push back? <laughs> he didn't before. I've never seen an ad on Twitter. Is that how they make their money? Well, that's because you're not routinely on Twitter. No, I'm never on it. Right. I shouldn't have said that then, should I? It sounds silly for me to say yeah, they, they I've pop never up, seen an ad They on pop Twitter. up with frequency. Yeah. And, they're, and they're embedded to make it look like it's a tweet that you might have missed. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Let's see. What do we got when we pull up? At GL Podcast. Yeah, go to the GL Podcast okay. one. Yeah. You've got... Uh... we got to do one today, don't we? Sure. Yeah. Oh, you know what else we have to do? Yeah, there's some good huh. stuff on here. I don't want to interrupt your flow. Well, go ahead. We have to review our guy's uh, appearance on the uh, on oh, the sister station oh on Friday. God. I listened to it. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm-hmm. On Friday, Pat uh, teamed up with uh, Julia. Yes. To do the... Uh, the, the, what's their show called? Lori, Lori or Julia. Lori, it's the Lori or, Julia. or Julia show. We don't ever know which one's right. going to show up. Uh, on FM 107. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it. And uh, I, I thought he handled himself remarkably well considering the questions he was being asked. I did hear some of those questions. Mm-hmm. They were. They, did, you, not... did you capture some of that? I have a couple of sound bites if you'd like them. Otherwise, they can they could wait until well, you. Well, we're going to have them today, but let's just wait a moment. Okay. I wanted to bring up sainthood. Okay. Uh, do you realize that Pope Francis now has uh, canonized the late Archbishop Oscar Romero to a saint, hmm. uh, bestowing Catholicism's highest honor on a hero to many Latin Americans and progressive church members after years of resistance from initial conservatives. Uh, Archbishop Romero left the security of the world, even his own safety, in order to give his life, according to the gospel, uh, close to the poor and to his people, the Pope said. Uh, Sunday's canonization epitomizes the agenda of the first Latin American pope whose preaching emphasizes social and economic justice, especially in the developing world. Thousands of pilgrims from Archbishop Romero's El Salvador, where he has long been hailed unofficially as a saint, were in the crowd attending the ceremony in the Vatican St. Peter's Square. Among those present was the country's president, Salvador Sanchez Seren. Archbishop Romero was killed by gunmen in 1980, while celebrating Mass in San Salvador at the start of a 12-year civil war, which eventually left 75,000 dead. His killers have never been tried. But in 1993, a U.N.-sponsored Truth Commission said the murder had been ordered by Roberto Diabuson, Diabuson, a former Army major and head of the right-wing Arena Party who died in 1992. Uh, okay, I, I, I have no business... Uh, uh, determining who should be or should not be a saint. Okay. Don't you have to do a thing? Don't you got to have a miracle? I thought you had to. Yeah, it has to be it some type of— It can't be a card trick. Right. You're not just— uh, you're <laughs> can't not be, doing... can, It can't be the coin from behind the <laughs> right. ear. Hey, right, look right. what it's I It's got to be the real— um, 
event. <laughs> or, or maybe martyred, uh, seriously, maybe martyrdom is sufficient for sainthood. Oh. And that the Pope found uh, that this fellow uh, met the criteria for martyrdom. Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, obviously he was celebrating Mass and he was gunned down. That's definition of a martyr. Well, not necessarily, is it? In a, I thought a martyr was someone who— uh, no, I guess it is. Sure, I guess he was. Uh, I guess he was fighting the prevailing environment by attempting to have this mass, and well, so, and and the you know the the thugs got him. I guess yeah, they were the trying, major general. I guess they were trying to wipe out the church or something. But I I was I I'm always read the uh, stories of those who get canonized uh, because I want to know what the miracle was. Yeah, I I would agree. Well, now, um, uh, my guy, the Deuce. Yeah, uh, they're working on him being a become. Wasn't well, he he, a, he 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 canonized Pope Paul the Sixth also yesterday the sixth? as a saint. What was his deal? What did I, I don't remember the Sixth really. The Sixth was kind of small and wiry, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, little, he wasn't a big little guy. Uh, a martyr, a person who was killed because of their religious or other beliefs. Well, you know, and I don't have at the tip of my fingers the uh, political environment in El Salvador in 1980. True. Uh, it must have been that uh, he was warned not to say mass or something, right? That would that would construct his martyrdom. And if he just said, I'm, I'm doing it anyway, the people need to be heard. And if, he just, to... if he just uh, thumbed his nose at Rodrigo, whoever told him not to do it, well, I guess that's martyrdom. Then. Right, right. Seven, okay. I'm just trying to, I'm looking to see if there's a... Um... Like I wonder test. why 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 would uh, why would uh, conservatives in the church see? I don't know enough about this. Maybe I shouldn't have even brought it up. But why would have the conservative movement in the church been opposed to uh, canonizing this guy? I wonder. Uh, maybe because they want to. Maybe they're like you. They don't know what the they want to see. Did. They want to see the miracle. What's the you know? That's the first thing. You, What's the trick? Yeah. What, what did he do? What no. did he you know? Not did he do the work of the Lord, but what was his. Uh, well, I think what we're learning here, I think what we're learning is that martyrdom, in and of itself, uh, if it can be demonstrated to the uh, to the acceptance of the Pope, uh, would be uh, sufficient for canonization. Yeah, Saint Stephen was the first guy, right? Uh, According to the Acts of the Apostles, a deacon in the early church at Jerusalem who aroused the uh, M enmity. What I don't even know what that is of members of various synagogues by his teaching. Mm -hmm. He was accused of blasphemy at his trial. He made a long speech denouncing— Who, who is this now? St. Stephen, like the first martyr. Oh, yeah? Not even like he was. Denouncing the Jewish authorities who were sitting in judgment of him, and then he was stoned to death. Oh, yeah. That's how he used to do it. I didn't know this. <laughs> oh, yeah. His martyrdom was witnessed by Saul of Tarsus, a Pharisee who would later become the follower of Jesus known as Paul the Apostle. Really? Did not know that. So, well, you Saul, learn more here by accident. Saul had sight. He saw St. Stephen be martyred. Yeah. And then didn't he lose his sight and become Paul the Apostle? I did not know Paul the Apostle was without sight. Uh, I think when he got, uh, you know, they they did the thing. When the, the big light came there and, and God said, hey, Paul, <laughs> what's up? What are you doing? I mean, I want you to talk about me, <laughs> but I'm taking your sight away. What are you babbling about? <laughs> That's what I remember. You don't remember a thing. <laughs> Hell, I don't. Paul the Apostle, right here. Peter. Yeah. I can yeah, see I your, can house, see your house from up here. Yes. Let's see. 
Uh, Let's not cross the No, no, here. we're not. Uh, your, your mother is no longer with us, but she can sure as hell come back from the dead and, yeah. and make sure I'm uh, not being blasphemous. Early life conversion. Okay, Paul's conversion Okay, came at this time. God was pleased to reveal his son to me. Um, okay, Paul t- was on the road to Damascus. Man. He's rain man. Where he reported man. having a vision of the resurrected Jesus. Sorry. The account mm-hmm. says he fell to earth and heard a voice saying, Saul, why do you persecute me? Uh, who art thou, You're Lord? You're just dying to do your voice, aren't you? Yeah. It's just killing you. Yeah. It's just it's, killing it's, you. He's going to get there. We got her. Saul. Saul, this is uh, the Lord. I'm calling long distance. We must make this brief. I have uh, plans for you. Yes. And in my plans, Uh I would like you to talk to some of the Jewish people. Right. The Hebrews. That's it. The the, the people that are non-believers. That's right. And let us try to... Sway them. Amen, brother. We can do it at a at a uh, a, a a small get together <laughs> underneath a sycamore tree, something like that. And yeah. we will have libations. <laughs> we will have um, Hebrew to drink, yep. and for the fat ones, Israelite. <laughs> this and of course some Kool Aid. You gotta have Kool Aid, don't you? Ah, Kool Aid. We will change water into Kool Aid. That's it's real right. light with That's this right. special powder. Israel light. <laughs> For the the uh, the plump beer drinkers, they drank Israel light. That's right. Thank yes. you, thank you, Saul. Yes, thank we you. Will, we Th- shall return. Thank without you, Saul. Miracles. We got to play some of those Pat uh, cuts too when we come back. Stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. I just wasn't made for these times. He just wasn't made. It's not the same as it me singing. You got a guy in Los Angeles who's transgendered. Yep. But he identifies as a dog. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the name of this person is Tony McGinn, but... It's a she. I'm sorry. Hmm. I, I don't know. It's Tony McGinn. But she goes by the name Tony Bark. What? Like Bark. B-A-R-K? Yeah. <laughs> the 30-year-old who was born female and is transgender is supported by his husband and handler, Andrew, who accompanies him to regular play dates with other role players in their hometown of Los Angeles. <laughs> wow. I mean, like people that wear diapers, like the baby people? Oh, the dogs. Uh Tony said to me, a dog is everything pure in the world. Dogs experience the world through a lens of pure joy that I don't think other animals have. Is he on a leash? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. He goes to the human dog park mm-hmm. to play. Uh, a lot of little kids like to play like they're a dog, and most of them grow out of it. I just never grew out of that, Tony said. And now in my adult life, in my relationships, it's a way for me to feel vulnerable and exposed and close to my partner. It's a very intimate thing, Tony said. Imagine sure. if the easiest way to delight your partner uh, if you just throw a ball across the room. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, you'd save a hell of a lot of money on entertainment really, expenses, wouldn't you? It's a cheap date, isn't it? Yeah. All you need leave. is a tennis ball. Whoa. Relationships Whoa. <laughs> relationships would never fail if that's all you had to do. Just sure. you know, throw the ball across the room. Come on, Rook, go get that. Right. 
I hang out and I provide him with lots of attention and tell him he's a good boy. Yeah. That's that's it, said Tony's husband. We we don't appear to identify him. Does he pet him? Oh, yeah. I think everyone should feel comfortable exploring the limits of their creativity and imagination. And most of us have grown up in a culture that strongly discourages you from taking it too far. I appreciate that I am married to someone who encourages me to explore my imagination and my interests wherever they lead. Hmm. Uh Does he put peanut butter on the roof of his mouth for entertainment purposes? (laughs) Uh, Go get it, Robert. they (laughs) They have three real dogs. Which they refer to as bio dogs. I, I don't know what that means. You mean they biological have, dogs? They have three real confused dogs. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean Tony doesn't think of himself as a real dog. He states confidently that he identifies as a dog and says pet play is about getting into the headspace of the animal. That's, I, I, I would imagine. What do we call this pet play? Yeah. Pet play is any time that a person takes on the role of an animal. So this would be a furry, right? This is the furry part. Uh, boy, I think taking. I saw the video of this one. I did manage. I didn't see the whale one, but I did see this. And this, and he's barking and. But he's not in a, a a dog suit. He doesn't put a. Yeah, he's got a little dog suit. Like a furry. Suit? Yeah, the little ears and the thing. Yeah. Well, look it up. You can Google. It. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm uh, looking up bio dogs. It. Yeah. Where is this guy? Uh, L. A. So if you're the handler slash husband well, of that's the of, husband's of the, the dog, yeah. Do you have to put like a flea collar on him and oh, yeah. you get some do tick remover and all that stuff? You gotta rub his belly. Sure. We engage in pet play actively a few times a month, and it's often in a social setting such as a club or an event. Some people wear costumes, some people try to get into the headspace of the animal and think as an animal would. Tony does all of that, donning a homemade dog hood sure. for his pet play meetings. Oh no. As well as a sex toy harness, which he reverses and uses. Uses to hold a rubber silicone tail. I see that. I can see <laughs> his tail. Hell? For wow. me, it's not. For me, it's not sexual, but it's still oh. a form of intimacy because it's a vulnerable place. Tony said it's a bit of a power dynamic that puts Andrew in charge. Andrew's the husband, and I enjoy that. The tail is a vulnerable place, huh? Mm-hmm. I can see uh, a, a picture of them. I went to the Daily Mail, and uh, the doggy. This is all over the internet. He's tail sitting on his legs. lap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. You know what his tail looks like? Mm-hmm. Remember that Channel 5 video we always surface up every once in a while with the flopping uh, thing coming out of it? No. That's what the oh, tail yes, looks like. Yes, I don't know what yes, you mean. I do. They, uh, I think a, what was it? A sex door was <laughs> was uh, raided, and out comes one of the cops with uh, a rather <laughs> larger-than-life apparatus. Oh, yeah. And it was swaying in the yeah, wind. Yeah. And, and that uh, cop was no dummy. He waited for the live shot. Yeah, he waited for the live shot. He knew what was going to be. <laughs> well, you got to have your fun where you find it. Oh. Uh, this is really bizarre. So this is not a... Wait. Oh, no. Born think... female and changed to a guy? Uh, apparently, yeah. And now is married to a guy, but uh, also uh, acts out as a dog. And identifies as a dog. I wonder what pronoun you'd have to use. I don't think there is one yet. I don't think there they is. They keep making them up. I think it's buddy. Hey, buddy. Yeah. So Friday, mm-hmm. wow, uh, weird? Pat was in the building. Oh, yeah. We had him on for sports, which is fun to reunite to do that once a week for sports. Only to learn that he had accepted an invitation to... Uh, 
to march down the hall there at 3 o'clock and do the 3 to 6 show with Julia. Usually it's Lori and Julia. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's a, a feminine-based gossip and um, Hollywood, Hollywood right, gossip entertainment. and entertainment and what have you. Uh, and, you know, ironically, Pat uh, could have could prove to be very helpful in that genre because he's a, pretty much of an expert on movies, for movie example. Movie buff, yes. big time. Yes. Big time movie very buff. Very much. Uh, I, I listened. I actually remembered to listen. I did as well. And I just, uh, I didn't know what to think. Uh, and I thought he handled it great because he was being asked some very embarrassing questions. I don't know what uh, Reeves has selected for us. So I'll set this up. Yeah. We have three cuts. Um, cut number one, it was, I think, in the early stages of the first hour, kind of an introduction to Patrick, with, which then, as we all are very familiar with, anytime Patrick has the floor... He'll take the question, run with it, then kind of turn it into his own story. I yeah. thought La La Land was fantastic. I it loved was. It. I love talking to you through the microphone. You can turn it sideways so we can yeah. see each other while he's wearing a fascinator <laughs> and a pink boa. I love that you're playing along in okay. front of the man wall. Stop oh. right there. Oh, is that, what, is that why we call it? What is a fascinator? I don't know. He had a, he had a boa on. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah he had a, it was a pink boa. No. Um, Next thing you know, he'll be identifying as a dog. Oh, I'll look up fascinator. All right, here. start the tape again. All righty. Fascinator's like what a hat. Yeah, because oh, it's oh, nah, good looking guys. All the good you looking know, guys. You know, my uh, Paul Newman you have back here, mm-hmm. uh, he was dra- He was racing up at Brainerd and uh, 84 maybe. And I took my wife and uh, another friend, a couple of with us, when I was covering it. And he won, and he had to come up and like be in the press box. And they basically got arrested for stalking him. They wouldn't, you know, they just People followed him, him everywhere. Alone? They would. No, my wife and her buddy, oh. they, they stalked him. <laughs> uh, Tell a couple of Paul Newman stories up in Brainerd. How you doing? Fascinator, by the way, is a, as a rookie man, it's a headpiece mm-hmm. that you would see like at the royal wedding. I'll be damned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you got more? Cut number two. Uh, he was asked some sports questions. Well, that they wanted. I would to, hope so. They asked him about uh, Jimmy Butler. All right. Uh, Where are you going to start? Uh, the Timberwolves. Uh, let me point this out. <laughs> I stopped working September seventh down the hall, mm-hmm. so that's one job. And the owner of the Timberwolves. Oops. The owner of the Timberwolves owns the newspaper where I have my other job. That's true. So. Okay. Glenn Taylor's not going to figure into my fix, okay? Can we get right. that straight here? All right, perfect. He's not got any, he have anything to do with the fix, okay? I've got that. Uh, no, uh, it's simple. Trade uh, trade Jimmy Butler. There we right. go. Sports, Sports news on Lori and Julia. Mm-hmm. With a mishap by the producer. <laughs> yep. Johnny, come on, Johnny. Uh, and last, and my personal favorite, and Joel, I know one that you will particularly like mm-hmm. because— you routinely catch would would catch Patrick when you would work with him uh, uh, in the afternoons uh, doing this very thing. You know, Bradley Cooper also wrote some of the songs. Yeah, although so did Willie Nelson's kid, who presumably has more. Um, it's really good. Patrick area. is picking up his phone now. Are we boring no, you? No, no, no. I was looking something. <laughs> I think I, he's I going on some... Fandango to book some tickets. No, I had to look <laughs> something up. I had to look something up. <laughs> <laughs> he got bored. Who was making the funny laugh? That would be Julia. Oh my God. Replay the laugh. I thought I had a bad laugh. Let me laugh. see what we got. You no, know, Bradley Cooper also wrote some of the songs. Yeah, although so did Willie Nelson's kid, who presumably has more. Um, it's really good. In that Patrick area. is picking up his phone now. Are we boring no, you? No, no, no. I was looking something. <laughs> I think I he's going on some... Fandango to book some tickets. No, I had to look something up. I had to look something up. <laughs> <laughs> Who's making the what donkey sound? That would be Julia. She laughs like that? Yeah. <laughs>
Wow. I did not know that. We should do a Julie and Joe side by side. No. I also heard. Uh, wow. I also heard her ask him, "Where's the strangest place you've ever had sex?" Oh boy. And Pat oh, was on. Have to be. Pat, Pat was unflappable. He said, "I'm too old to remember." What a that's a, you know what that is a clever response. Mm-hmm. Very clever response. Because I think when it was asked, asked that same question on the Newlywood game, yep. we got a completely different answer. And then she was asking him about me. I've been with him for what? Yeah, they're infatuated with you, by the way. Lori and Julie are infatuated with you. I've been been with him for what, 35, 40 years down there? Yeah, yeah. And all he came up with was, he's terribly impatient. He's not a good waiter. (laughs) Thanks, Pat. I think I did hear that, too. That's right. He's impatient. He wants to make the light. (laughs) (laughs) Why are we waiting for this light? Um, yeah, I think he did. Uh, he held his own up there with uh, with Julia. But oh, I thought he did a wonderful yeah. job. I think he, you know, Chief Offsite Correspondent Kelsey has uh, provided me a story that he insists uh, could only have taken place in Garage Logic because of its involvement of cylinders. And I'm, I, as the mayor, I can uh, I can tell you that I'm unaware that this ever took place in Garage Logic. Will we have this when we come back? Uh, no, we'll just keep rolling, right? Okay. Then Reeves can cut it up. Right. You're, uh, let's roll them. Let's do roll them. Uh, well, there was an ongoing feud between a father and his son in Bristol, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And that led to a violent battle with a chainsaw and a lawnmower oh. as weapons. Come on. It ended with the father losing a leg and facing an attempted second degree murder charge, uh, according to the Bristol Herald Courier. The fight occurred on June 28, but the dad, identified as Doug Fergus, uh, Douglas Ferguson, 76, wasn't arrested until Tuesday because of the extent of his injuries. He faced a leg amputation and extended hospital stay and rehabilitation, according to a statement from the Sullivan County Sheriff's Office. Ferguson allegedly attacked his son with a running chainsaw while his son was mowing the front lawn of a home. The son, who was not identified or charged, defended himself by running over his father with the lawnmower. What? Mm-hmm. The son defended himself against the attack by running over the suspect with a lawnmower, according to a statement obtained by the Kingport Times News. The injuries that the suspect sustained were a result of the lawnmower striking and running over him. Authorities arrived at the scene to find Ferguson bleeding from his leg and head. He was taken to the hospital where doctors amputated his leg. Investigators from the sheriff's office said the two men had a long-running feud, but they did not elaborate. Uh, they also did not say what sparked the chainsaw attack, which happened at a home on U.S. Highway 421 in Bristol. Uh, Detective Matt Harrison investigated the case and obtained a warrant for Ferguson's arrest. The Kingsport Times News reported when he was arrested, Ferguson was also served with a violation of probation warrant on a previous charge of aggravated assault. Bond was set at twenty-five grand. There is no bond for the violation of probation. How, how can a father and son get to that point? Uh, had my, you know, Why don't you turn on your mic, Pat? I've had my limited disputes with uh, my father, but I've never, <laughs> you, never ever, you ever go after that. him with a lawnmower? Oh, we've never even fought. So that would be, I mean, that's how drastic is that? With a chainsaw? I, I don't understand. That's how, intent to do major damage. I don't understand how it could ever get to that point. Why not just move? Well, yeah, you don't know what. I guess, yeah, move out. Move on. 
Say, uh, how rural were they? <laughs> well, I think if you live on a highway, that's a that's a giveaway. That's a pretty, pretty good, good sign. Because yeah. then it would be you really can't move away because that's probably your family you know, plot of land. Mm-hmm. Okay, where are we in? Uh, I te- I know this will uh, be a little late news for podcast listeners, but I was so impressed with this Mahomes character. Oh, the quarterback for Kansas City Chiefs that I texted Reavers to verify. That's Pat Mahomes' son. Yes. Who was a former Twins pitcher. Who would roam the Twins clubhouse when Patrick was uh, was playing for the squad. Is Pat Mahomes... Wait, the kid did? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, Royce did a column about that. when when Mahomes, Either when Mahomes was drafted or when he was playing, still playing college football at Texas Tech. Well, isn't it something that old Brady outdid him, though? He did, but... Yeah. This kid is going to be the face of the NFL in a short period of time. My because God, is he good? He has the best arm in football. It, he really does. And he's got he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders. And the biggest thing is, he is playing with probably the best system and coach right now that he possibly could. Andy Reid. Yes, Andy Reid. Whatever people want to rip about Andy Reid, he's a really good offensive football mind. And the Vikings won. They did. Do they appear to be on a path of fortune now? Good I, fortune? I think so, but playing a, a one-in-five operation will help that. I still have a lot of questions, including the offensive line, which is going to get Kirk Cousins killed by the end of the season. But yes, yesterday was a very good win for the squad. Wild lost over the weekend. To the hated hurricane. To the hated hurricane. What are we missing other than a sniper? Uh, we much. got a goalie. We a got a goalie a, that can stop a shots. hell of a goalie has been getting a, his brains beat out. So just to show you, give you a little snapshot inside my home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got a six-year-old. He gets about 15 minutes to 20 minutes of, of TV time before he goes to bed, after bath. Yep. Buddy, what do you want to watch? The uh, Game 2 ALCS? Nope. Uh, Sunday Night Football, you want to watch something? Nope. Guess what we watched? Got to watch the Wild? Hurricanes and Jets on NHL Network. Oh, hurricanes. <laughs> well, it couldn't have been Not the Hurricanes. Not even the Wild. Yeah. Couldn't have, it couldn't have been the Hurricanes. Last night was Hurricanes-Jets. Oh, okay, Jets. so the Hurricane left here and went up to Winnipeg. They were here Saturday night. That's right. They go up to the Winnipeg, mm-hmm. play the Jet on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Did you tell him that when it's not a wild game, there's only they only play one period? He doesn't it's care. just one game? He doesn't care. He wants to watch hockey every night. GLers, uh, I've uh, looked up his number during one of the breaks, and I will call. Uh, shortly, I'll be calling John Abraham. He's a professor at the University of St. Thomas, and he thinks the election of Republicans has brought about the likes of uh, Hurricane Michael. And uh, I, I hope he agrees to come on with us. I'd, I'd dearly love to civilly chat with him. Right. I, I, I find his thinking remarkably ridiculous. But he probably finds mine remarkably ridiculous. So we'd have two equally ridiculous people talking to each other. I can handle that. But I, I, uh, I'll i do my best. Uh, I'll call, and if I don't reach him, I'll, I'll leave my name and cell phone number and the invitation uh, to join us tomorrow on tomorrow's podcast, which would be uh, uh, podcast number 25 would be tomorrow, October 16th is Copy tomorrow. That. All right. So I'll... Right now, I'm going right to a phone. Go, go to a phone. Going right to a phone. All right, garagelogic.com. Don't forget to rate us. And while you're there at podcastone.com, don't forget to check out Table Talk with Rookie's family. See you tomorrow.